thank you for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast with your co-host, Kirk. Hello, hello. I am your other co-host, Cam. And you're joining us on a movie review episode. That's right. This week, we're taking another crack at a movie review. This week, it's the Disney Plus original movie, Hocus Pocus 2. Kirk, you've got your wand. You're ready to go. You're ready for some some witchcraft, some mischief. I got to know, what's your position on Hocus Pocus 1? Are you one of these people who's, uh, who's a nutso about it? That is a great question because my wife and I were trying to figure out what, what level of Hocus Pocus love we were at because there are people who bought shirts, like made their own shirts. They... What else did they do? They made treats and crafts for their viewing of Hocus Pocus 2. I know someone nearby in our neighborhood that uh, put up their giant outdoor uh, theater screen and projector and invited the entire neighborhood over Whoa. for Hocus Pocus 2. It's nuts. People are nuts. I don't think I'm on that level of Hocus Pocus, but I would be lying if I told you I saw this movie any less than... 400 times rented from my local schnooks, schnooks slash yeah. blockbuster Shop and slash save. family video, wherever it happened, wherever I was available to get my hands on it. So I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm somewhere in the middle. I feel like I love it. I see. I'm like at the very low end of the spectrum. Uh, I was, this movie came out in 93, which is the year that I was born. And it never was a staple in our house. Like I know my sisters had seen it. They were older than me. They were aware of it. Um, but it just never was something that was on my radar. I had seen it once. I saw it once or twice as I was growing up, but it was never something that's part of my Halloween rotation. Never something that was like a big cult classic movie that I had to watch every Halloween. Um, like the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown or something like that. It was, it's, right. it's not one of those. Um, but yeah, I, I saw it. I have no, I think this will be good because I have no real nostalgia for it. So I'm a little bit more removed from it. But I also, I did not hate the first one. I have no issues with the first one. Um, I just am not as connected to the, like the deep nostalgia that people have for it as others. So maybe that will be a good flavor to have on this review. I don't know. I think so. I, I was telling Aubrey, I was like, I don't think I'm a really like giant fan. And then all of a sudden I divulged into like all of this hocus pocus plot line theory and she's like, calm down. <laughs> yeah, if you've got if you've got conspiracy theories, I think uh you're definitely higher <laughs> on the tiers. <laughs> I, I have no right. theories. <laughs> right, right. I suddenly rip open my shirt, ladies and gentlemen, and you see Winifred on my chest, tattooed. <laughs> yeah, tattooed, fully tattooed. <laughs> You've got a whole a whole mural scape going on there of, of the Sanderson sisters. I do. That Man, be that'd awesome. be crazy. That'd be crazy. <laughs> but yeah, so this movie, you know, we talk about the nostalgia factor and you're talking about people going out of their way to have these sort of like very hocus pocus centric get togethers and themes and, and all of this stuff. The movie, um, which released on the 20th, no, on the 30th, this Friday, yes. has, is already the biggest premiere ever in the history of Disney plus, um, which Disney plus is, is about to wrap up, uh, it's third year. So that, that is a big deal. They've had some other movies release on the platform. They've had other shows released on the platform. And this one takes the cake as the largest premiere in terms of watched hours, um, in, in the history of Disney plus. So the nostalgia is rich. 
this movie, like I said, uh, it would be classified as a legacy sequel or perhaps a requel, Kirk. We can get into that a little bit. Um, It is nearly 30 years removed from the original film. Like I said, the original film came out in 1993, this one 2022. So a full 29 years. Um, And so it does fall into that legacy sequel category. We are going to be talking about spoilers in this movie because it is available on streaming. Disney Plus has more subscribers than any streaming platform, so we will hope and 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 pray that you have seen the movie or don't care about spoilers before you listen to this. But let's get into it, Kirk. Let's talk about all the details with Hocus Pocus 2. We need to start with the plot synopsis, which we will turn to you for. You've got it. Um... When a seemingly innocent but passionate magic store owner slash city of Salem know-it-all slash Sanderson sisters historian tricks two girls into a free gift on Halloween, (laughs) Uh, they soon discover the true dark magic they've been playing with all these years. Sequeling or requeling the events of the cult classic of the same name, Hocus Pocus 2 receives the charmingly evil sisters of Salem in a new way, but at what cost? Wow. That was powerful. That was more powerful than what I was expecting. That was, that was, it hit me. You know, it was almost like an incantation, kind of like the movie of Hocus Pocus 2. I was entranced by it. I really was. Uh, Yeah. This movie has, let's get into the requel legacy sequel thing here, because I think, they are sort of the same thing, though. In my mind, I, I view a requel as like a lot of the core characters are getting rebooted. I guess in this case, no Max, no Allison, no Danny. You've got Becca, Izzy, and Cassie taking over as the you know the three, plus new characters. Uh, Gilbert, played by Sam Richardson. You've got Mayor Trask, played by the incomparable Tony Hale. Um, as well as a whole host of other characters. So I guess I guess it sort of does fall into that requel area because th- there's really not a ton of holdover from the original movie other than the core antagonist, similar to like if you think of like the, the most recent Scream. But they are calling it Hocus Pocus 2 and not something like Top Gun Maverick or uh, Scream, you know, 2022 or something like that. Hocus Pocus Maverick. I think that would have been a really interesting. Perfect. Title. Yes, yeah. that'd be good. That would be good. Um, what what what's your take? Do you view this as more sequel or remake slash sequel? You know, I hadn't considered the requel aspect until you said it. To be perfectly honest, Cam, and I'm leaning towards that, towards the requel status. Yeah, yeah, because it feels like this this could potentially in my opinion, just kind of like reading the tea leaves, this could potentially kick off additional films um, based on these characters if they decided to to go that route. Because there are some things that happen with the plot that are much different than the trajectory the first film sets this franchise off on. So we'll Mm -hmm. we'll get into it a little bit. Let's do it. All right. Kirk, let's start with our acting performances, though, before we get into all the plot details. Um, who, who are you giving your Oscar to this week for, for best actor? Love the question. Here's my wonderful answer. It's got to go to Taylor Henderson. She's a newbie. She is going to be incredible. 
one of the most difficult things to do is to come into a movie that is beloved by billions of people. I mean, just check your Twitter, your Facebook feed. All of your friends went to these parties, uh, except you, who were watching safely from a distance at your home, <laughs> like myself. Taylor Henderson plays young Winifred, and absolutely nails it like all the sisters are good but she is exceptionally good and had to be because Winifred is the leader she is the seemingly the oldest sister seemingly the the boss of them all the bulldozer if you will um Miss Bette Midler of course uh leading the the stage of the original Sanderson sisters and holy cow when you have to get to that level that uh, that that nuanced uh, mannerisms and pick them up, but not only pick them up, but also effectively execute them. She absolutely wins every single line she delivers. Young Sarah, who is a, who is hilarious that her name's Sarah and Sarah Jessica Parker. I think that was just a, a failure in the original, <laughs> the original naming of the Sanderson sisters. But young Sarah, uh, young uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. She's trying so hard. It's it's cute. She, but there's not a lot there. You just got to be dumb. You just got to play a really dumb person. <laughs> and I don't think they really wanted to tell her, "Hey, be stupid," you know. Uh, and then of course, young young Mary, uh, who does a pretty good job as well. She 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 hangs in there. But young Winifred, man, my eyes were on you the whole time. I could watch a whole series on those three, like growing up in Salem, like escaping things. That could be a fun, a fun prequel to Hocus Pocus, honestly. So she gets my vote. Well done. Yeah, I like that you went that route because I ultimately opted not to to give any flowers to any of them because I wanted to highlight some other performances. But I loved the the trio of young Sanderson sisters. I thought they were great. I thought that with them being sort of our intro to this movie was such a welcome thing because the first movie begins with a flashback to the Salem, you know, 1600 days. And this movie began the same way. Only this time we got to see the young Sanderson sisters rather than them being older prior to their hanging and all that. Yes. Um, which is really cool. And they did so great. And yeah, I, I totally agree with your, with your assessment of their performances there. I thought they were, were stellar. Um, and just, it's hard to do that. It, you know, people think that it's mimicry, that it's mime work, that it's, you know, just impressionism. But there, there's something about being able to take, like, people's mannerisms are so personal to them. To be able to copy those and to make it your own and make it feel authentic is, is very difficult to do, particularly at a young age, um, I would assume. So that is impressive. Great, great choice. I'm going with uh, Grown Up Winifred. Bette Midler, who is the driving force of really this whole thing. You know, if you if you go back and look at the the press around this movie, she was the one who was pushing for this to happen. She was the one who saw that the fandom was growing, that they're or or not growing, but really just aging and their influence was spreading and their voice was out there. Um, and she was the one begging Disney execs to make this happen and and at long last it did. Um Many people, I think, are happy with that decision. And I just, I was so amazed with the way that Bette Midler was able, because to give you an insight into my viewing experience, I watched the two movies back to back because I was not familiar. I was not as familiar with the first one. Like I said, I'd seen it a couple of times growing up, but it's not something that I watch on a regular basis. So I wanted to reacquaint myself with the first one. And watching them back to back, it's so insane to see how well she specifically maintains 
that character um, 30 years later after playing it. And, and, you know, now she was 47 when they first filmed. She's 76 years old now. And yet Winifred has not changed at all. And in fact, it's just even more so in her element. And she goes on to build this character even more than it already was and make it incredible. I think the whole, you know, the reason you watch these movies and the reason I, I think people watch the original and enjoy it so much is the dynamic of the Sanderson sisters. Like they are the movie. It's not for Max. It's not for Allison. It's not for Danny or any of that stuff. It's, it's really not the, the plot. It's the, the antics of the three Sanderson sisters. And that is kept so well intact. Thanks to Bette Midler's performance, anchoring the middle of the group and tying things together and making it feel like they never left. So I was very impressed with that. It's such a lively performance, such a loving performance. You can tell she absolutely loves playing this character and is thrilled to be back. And uh, that that just makes it a ton of fun. And I thought there's a lot of heart in this performance. So great job to Bette Midler, one of the all time greats. Winifred wins both <laughs> Oscars today. That's right. Good job. That's right. All right, Kirk, who are you going to for your scene stealer? My scene stealer. This was pretty easy early on it goes to mr sam richardson uh you most recently saw him in the tomorrow war with chris pratt on amazon prime check out our review on that ladies and gents he's just great there's just something so so charming about him oh he was also in the uh the rebel wilson uh senior year on netflix as well there's just something so effortless about the way he uh, loves the camera, right? Like he's not like a ham. Uh, he's not uh, jumping up and down or boisterous, but there is just this, this lane that he locks into and you cannot look away. It, it's just this different kind of charm. Like you're not like falling in love with him. You're just like, man, I wish that guy was like my best friend. It's it's just so cool. He's just a suave, cool guy, I feel like. And uh, him coming in as uh, as the, the new shop owner, uh, maintaining the store, maintaining the love, the, the history, uh, the, 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 the longevity of Salem and, and what's gone on through, through that lifespan and specifically puts on this little show with the Sanderson sisters and talks about Book, uh, who he's taking care of for so long. And then underneath it all, there's this part of him that just wanted to be part of that story because of what happened to him when he was a little boy on, on Halloween and how that that was what drove him like seeing this magic fly away in the sky that he craved it his entire life and spent and dedicated his life to trying to bring it back only to be, you know, never meet your heroes themed out and just gets crushed by how they just immediately cast him aside and then starts on the hunt to try to destroy them. So it's a very, uh, and you know, he's betwixt to, to destroy uh, what, what's against them. It's very, it's a very just wonderful arc for him. And he's just really fun to watch the entire time. I love him. Yeah, Sam Richardson also starred in Apple TV Plus's The After Party, which was uh, produced by um, Chris Miller and Phil Lord. Um, really fun show. It's a it's a whodunit. He he's sort of the main character of the show, actually, as it turns out. And um, he's he's really great. He he does sort of get typecast as the same type of role, which is a yeah. bummer because I I think. He is really good. So I don't really know what his range is, but I agree that he he is he just has a nose for 
the camera and, and can absolutely take over. And, and he was so great in this movie as Gilbert. Perfect casting. Oh my gosh. I mean, like just the best, I, like I said, it's typecast, but he plays that kind of role so well. Um, so for him to be nerding out about all this witch stuff just felt so appropriate. Um, it, it's right in his wheelhouse. So he, he can absolutely knock it out of the park. Um, so I really enjoyed that as well. I'm going with somebody else for my scene stealer though. I'm going with Tony Hale. Um, Tony Hale, who played Mayor Trask. Tony Hale of Arrested Development and Veep fame, also as Forky in Toy Story 4 and the subsequent spinoffs. Um, he plays Mayor Trask, who is effectively just the nicest person ever, which is such a hilarious role for Tony Hale. He usually plays... Well, he's usually in, in media that's a lot fouler in, in nature, and he plays like a very like subdued kind of person, but... In this role, he was he was a hilarious uh, bit of co- comedic relief that he was kind of like having the worst Halloween ever, despite being this guy who's like has the best, most flowery disposition. He's like super nice to everybody and like legitimately cares about what people are going through. And yet, all he wants is this candy apple, and he can't get it. And it's just such a perfect bit for Tony Hale. It's right right in his sweet spot, his wheelhouse as a, as a comedic actor. Um, he's such a great comedic actor and he, and he just drives it home the whole way. Um, a lot of the scenes, there's one scene in particular because I feel like our three leading ladies, not the Sanderson sisters, but our new trio of Becca, Cassie and Izzy, that dynamic feels consistently weak throughout and they have a hard time developing relationships and chemistry. Um, whether it's due to the writing or due to their performances or whatever, there's a scene where he kind of comes in and totally bails them out. Um, of a scene with the Sanderson sisters because they just were not doing a good job carrying it. And uh, he comes in and brings some life to it. And they can kind of play off of him. Uh, so it's 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 a great performance all around, very understated, and certainly nothing crazy that he's doing, but it's just solid. It's good. It brings some life to the movie, and I really enjoyed it. So kudos to Tony Hale. Hot take. I think Tony Hale was miscast in this role. Oh, uh-oh. I mean... He's great. Like, yeah. I don't think there's, there's a couple of people that when I look at them, I just start laughing. Yeah. <laughs> Tony yeah. Tony Hale's yeah, one yeah, of them. For sure. Uh, Horatio Sands would be another one. Uh, <laughs> there's just a number of those people out there in the world. They just have a, a face that is immediately comical. And Tony Hale is one of those people. I, uh, I don't know what it is. I, I, not that I wanted him to be his typical self, but for me, I just don't know that that was, the best writing for him, unfortunately. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Um, yeah, I think I think it's I think it's just one of those things, man. I think it's just going to come down to total personal preference there. So I I respect yeah. it. But um, and and it was what's funny is that I feel the same way about Sam Richardson as Gilbert. Is like I like him. Yeah. But I feel like I've seen him play that role so many times that mm-hmm. I'm like I'm like okay, play a new song. You know, it is it is perfect casting, and there's so many times where he's like totally into it but it actually because i've seen him play it so many times right the suspension of disbelief for me personally is well it's not suspended <laughs> you know I, i'm like <laughs> right, right, that's right. sam richardson playing this sam. character that i've seen him play three other times and so that's what that's what makes it hard uh so right. sam so, richardson is like the new judy greer like judy greer plays the same oh, she's always the the same mom type <laughs> character in every movie ever. but she nails it every she does. time. 
she does. <laughs> like when I saw her uh, pop up in Cha Cha Real Smooth, I was like, oh yeah. my gosh, you've got to be kidding me. And yet, she was and great. Then at the end of it, she did it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's so th- great. That's the thing, man. It, it really, like, this is why it's important, like, people's personal whatever, whatever they have seen and taken in and observed, it matters so much for these things because you and I saw the same performances from two people completely yeah. opposite ways just because of whatever. Uh, so right. it's it's very interesting. But let's get into the movie itself, Kirk. I think this is interesting. This movie, when you watch them back to the back the way that I did, there's something so jarring about going from that early 90s film style to modern day, uh, all the way down to the fact that they like tried to make this look like a horror film. Like if you've seen the most recent Scream movie or, or any of the recent Halloween movies where they have like the sepia filter and this like flavor to, to the movie, the coloration, where they kind of like desaturate it a little bit and make it look like a horror film. There's something so jarring between those two aesthetics, but I want to get into this movie to talk about like, how did it feel as a sequel to the original? What did you like? What did you don't like? Let's start with Showstopper. Um, Kirk, what was it that knocked your socks off in this movie? If anything, I, I kid you not. I'm glad you said anything. I think you have peered over my shoulder to see my notes. Cause I literally wrote, I don't want to ruin my other surprises. Where'd it go? Hold on. Nothing. I wrote nothing. I wrote nothing. I, I don't know what it was. Like when we open up and we're in the woods, the terrifying enchanted woods that no one goes there except to die. It was the worst studio setup of a forest I've ever seen. And there has to be at any given time, like 30 uh, studio sets of forests. Like it has to be with all the productions <laughs> that are going on. I just, when I saw this and I just kept waiting for this to wow me. And I think I figured it out in the director's shoes, but quite simply, nothing was a showstopper for me. That's it. Yeah, I, I respect that, man. I, I struggled with this one quite a bit because there's a lot of this that... It, so it's my position, again, is interesting because I, I'm watching the first one going, what is it about this movie that has withstood the test of time? You know, this is the code that everybody's trying to crack, right? Like, what is it that creates nostalgia? You know, people see things when they're a kid and something sticks to them. Something happens that makes this movie work for people a large group of people and to the to the extent that it actually withstands the test of time and people continue to remember it fondly and continue to revisit it for those warm fuzzies year after year after year halloween after halloween after halloween and when i'm watching that first one i'm going there's nothing truly remarkable about this movie okay and i know that people are gonna i hopefully they don't you know burn me at the stake like a witch for There's saying, a red dot on your chest right now. <laughs> yeah, for saying that. But but be honest with yourself and watch it, anybody out there who's in the Hocus Pocus Hive. There's nothing remarkable about that movie except the dynamic of the Sanderson sisters. That one thing holds it together. The plot isn't all that interesting. The stakes aren't really all that high. Um, the main characters are... Very blah. Max, Allison, Danny, no thanks. Not a fan of really anything that's going on there. But the Sanderson sisters, in my opinion, 
are the magic behind it. And that's not any big surprise. But there, there is something very real and special and, and hilarious about their dynamic. And my showstopper is that they were able to bottle that up and re-deliver it in this movie, um, which is sort of what I alluded to in my Bette Midler Oscar goes to. But that's incredibly difficult to do, I feel like. And they did mm-hmm. it. it. It was like, it was so seamless that these three were back together doing the exact same thing, you know, rattling off bits that were just as effective as they were in the original movie, having new modernized bits that I felt like were good. Um, some were not like some of it was very gimmicky and stupid, but a lot of it was a lot of it worked. I felt like in terms of like their actual dialogue and banter with one another. And so I felt like that's a win, you know, that if that's, that's the thing that I feel like carries over from the first movie that, that people keep coming back to it and they were able to recreate that here in this movie. So that's, that's my showstopper. That's my takeaway. First of all, how dare you say that Max and Allison are blah. They're one of the most American couples that I've ever seen in my life. No garbage. (laughs) There's, there's just nothing there. There's just nothing there. There is pure teen love right there. It's the worst man. The worst. Shall I say my director's shoes at this time? Yeah, fire away. It's too clean. It's too clean. That is one of the comparisons I have for this to the OG Hocus Pocus. So much makeup is caked on. It is so produced. It doesn't have the same identity that the 93 film does because... They are just wanting to produce everything like picture perfect. And when you go back and watch Hocus Pocus, you know, hairs are out of place. They're kind of frizzy at times when they shouldn't be there. Uh, there's weird, weird, uh, weird people standing in weird places and kind of while, while the kids are scrambling, like, oh, I can't see the main character now. You know, there's sorts of things like that. Whereas this is like, hit your mark. Don't you dare mess this up or you're out of the movie and recast immediately. That's how I get the the vibe of, of this set, which may not be true at all, uh, but simply as a spectator of this movie, but so much makeup. There is, almost virtually no Sarah Jessica Parker when some of the best laughs come out of Sarah Jessica Parker's character from Hocus Pocus one. And we don't get to see that flourish. She's just kind of there uh, really, really just standing there most of the time and not doing a lot. The one physical scene where I think she puts her legs or arms across like a doorway. Uh, maybe it's into the Walgreens or whatever it is uh, that that's about it, where we where we see the the height of her allowance into uh, inserting her comedic genius into here, um, and then I mean the terrible entrance of the Sanderson sisters as adults, where they come singing like that kind of take uh, into into interjecting like we all know you loved I put a spell on you, so when they return they're gonna come singing like no that was a spell and a gimmicky ninety moment I'll allow it but. It was specific to the plot line that they started singing that in a sinister move to make the parents dance till they die. I'll come back to that in just a second. Um, I I have to continue this. So the one way or another, I'm going to find you. I'm going to get you, get you, get you sequence. Absolute garbage. No motivation to sing that song. Terrible camera cuts. Terrible vocals by, by all involved. And all for the misuse of Tony Hale again, bewitching the crowd for an address 
for an address. They could have done that to one person who would have told them the address. They could have gotten there much faster and not gotten into uh, a, a cat and mouse as, as much, if you will. They would have absolutely had the upper hand. Again, they bewitched an entire crowd of adults to simply watch them die, not for any other purpose. And that just heightens the stakes of, dang, these silly sisters are like really evil. Like they're really pushing the dark magic up in here. And there was a lack of that. Now I'll tell you, I hate, I don't like dark magic uh, in movies. I'm a sissy these days. Uh, If I see anything demonic, I'm running the other way, but man, there's just, there's so much. Um, Becca, uh, our, our lead, has no emotional currency with the audience whatsoever. I couldn't even remember her name or her friends' names. And uh, finally, the terrible Walgreens sequence, jumping back to the beginning out of order, uh, that's where the movie lost me. I was like kind of in it. And then the real Sanderson sisters arrived uh, singing. And I was like, eh, don't like that. And then a very extended scene in the Walgreens uh, we're really with like the Sephora setup or whatever, wherever we were really took me out of it, really annoyed me. And that's my director's shoes. Yeah. I think you're 100% on point about a lot of that stuff. I think all of the singing in this movie is forced. Yes. All of it. And, and they do a lot more of it than they ever should have. I, I don't understand why that is a route that they like, why that is a drum they decided to bang. It's, it's such a weird choice to me. Um, because that, that to me is not a takeaway from the original film is like, Oh, I hope they sing a song. (laughs) Like it's just, it's, it's not at all that. And then whenever they do it like multiple times, it's, it feels very off color and strange. And I agree. Like some of the stuff is just plot holes. Like why do you, why is it so hard to find the mayor of this town when he's at the freaking Halloween festival they're having in the town square? And they yes. spend a decent amount of time on that. Um, yes. That is a weird thing. Um, but to your, to your main point about the, your main director's shoes was basically about the texture of the movie and how it feels yes. so different. And I agree with that. I think that it feels very, it feels very like, out of the box, uh, like gift wrapped or like saran. What am I trying to say? Like shrink wrapped off the assembly line kind of movie is basically what I'm trying to say. It's like, it feels like something that's they, they handed over to a professional, like editing firm, you know, like they have places where they send things off for post-production. They have all these different agencies that help them do that. And it feels like they were just like, make this look like a modern film. And they were like, apply the filters, do this, that, the other cut, cut, cut. Um, That's what it felt like throughout. But on the other hand, then you've got this weird other stuff going on where it's like all of the green screen and many of the effects are like terrible. Like there, there, there are a few times where there is CGI used, like whenever in the opening sequence, whenever that witch turns from like a hawk or something into a witch, Oh my gosh. Horrible. Like most of the effects in the original movie are practical and actually hold up pretty well. Even that like, even that like nineties Sabrina, the teenage witch talking cat effect is like better than a lot of what was going on in this movie, even though it looks like campy and weird uh, going back. And so that was strange. Every single scene where they're flying on broomsticks slash Swiffers slash, robot vacuums looks DJ horrible 
<laughs> looks absolutely horrible. I couldn't believe how bad they looked. Um, yeah. Shockingly, shockingly bad. So the, that kind of stuff is, is weird misses. But for me, my number one director shoes, this is the thing that, you know, I picked. This is my director shoes is something you alluded to as well, which is the, uh, the main characters, uh, terrible, uh, not just the performances, the performances, they're weird. It's like, they're like performances that would like maybe get a good grade from somebody that was like teaching an acting class, but they're so lifeless and there's no heart. And the, the plot around those characters is so uninteresting. They're like little friend spat that they're having. I mean, you just, at no point in the movie do you care about any of them. Least of all, Becca, who's supposed to be our main protagonist in this movie, who ends up like becoming a witch at the end of this movie, which is supposed to be like this big moment. But you just don't care about her because the plot around her isn't interesting. She's this disassociated teenage angsty character that is so overdone and, and way overdone in modern horror and modern film that it's like, I hate that that whole archetype needs to go away. Um, and yeah, their friendship just has no real anything to it. I think the, the Izzy girl probably tries the hardest to make it work. Um, but it's, it's a mess. And so feeling attached to that when that's like the core of the plot and the, the thing that we're supposed to care about in this movie, it just doesn't work. Even though really, let's be honest, the Sanderson sisters are the, are the whole reason for this whole thing. That's the only thing that anybody cares about, but that whole core plot and those core characters just take the air out of this movie completely. All right. What, a, what a movie. <laughs> We're really selling it. <laughs> should we uh, do final thoughts and scores? We should. We should. One uh, thing, though. One thing, though. Yeah. When I was talking, I want to know your thoughts on the Sanderson sisters stuff because when I was saying, like, I agree the Walgreens scene was an atrocity when they're, like, yes. drinking the lotions and stuff like that. So bad. But, like, did you feel like their dynamic was off the whole time? Yes. Okay. I did. Okay. I, I felt like. It goes, it goes towards the, the more lifeless, like yeah. the mechanics were there and individually they did well, but these three women that you see, uh, on, on the cover, they, they did not spend any time with each other before getting back into the production of this movie at all. They were not connected in any way, shape or form. It was disconnected. Sad. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I, I just wanted to clarify that because I feel like you and I are on different pages about that, which is good, but I just wanted to make sure that I was understanding that. So yeah. with that, without further ado, I do want to hear your final thoughts and scores and we can score yes. this very, very popular movie. <laughs> it's very popular. It is. I'm curious if uh, how divisive Hocus Pocus 2 is among the fans who, uh, I, I imagine it, if it's me, right? Like if, if I was throwing that party, now I've never watched Game of Thrones, but the outrage of people uh, watching the final season with their parties and like getting their, getting in costume and everything, I imagine and liken it to an entire final season watch party of Game of Thrones to Hocus Pocus 2. This movie was an easy home run. Easy. 
It should have been Max Allison married with a child, their daughter, going out on Halloween with their cool, fun Aunt Danny. And let me tell you, maybe Danny, maybe she wrote a book about the trauma that she suffered when she met the Sanderson sisters and she moved away and she's living a frivolous lifestyle and she's throwing money to try to, you know, cure her pain of her loss of love of her cat uh, love interest of Thackeray Binks and and, uh, and, getting, and then she gets separated. Danny and the daughter of Max and Allison get separated. And then the Sanderson sisters are attacking her to lure Max and Allison, who've somehow come across the book again, and they're luring her in his bait. This is what Hocus Pocus 2 should have been. It's honestly that simple. They didn't bring back any of those other characters, which balanced the insanity and the absurdity of the Sanderson sisters. That's why it works. You have these grounded characters going through real life struggles, a la Peter Parker, uh, going through teenage life and being a superhero. And the, they, they, they should have injected any of that. Again, no emotional currency with Becca. We don't know her. We can't know her fast enough. I mean, maybe Max and Allison's daughter could have become a witch. And there's another point of friction. Like, we fought evil. We fought these. They're so bad. And then all of a sudden, like, coming to accept their daughter as who she is. Like, there's so much just meat there. Just like, and they just let it wither and rot. And this is the gunk that we got when they scoop that away. This hocus pocus too. I mean, I cannot go on. Uh, I mean, I can't actually. If I, I was going to say, I think, I, think you're, I think you're geared up. I say, go for it. <laughs> I, I, to to speak to the the kind of what why this was so popular in the nineties. I feel that. As uh, people who were kids in the 60s and 70s didn't really have a scope of what they should and should not watch. And still, even in the 1990s, those parents, those now parents are like, huh, what should we allow our children to watch? And Hocus Pocus had some of that like edgier stuff, you know, the virgin candle, uh, the love, the love interest. There's some, uh, there's some converse, there's some dialogue that's kind of risque that you wouldn't want your eight year old to listen to right now in 2022. So I feel like that part of, uh, of Hocus Pocus is also part of why it's so unique. Uh, I mean, I saw Titanic in the theater guys and gals every scene unedited right like so this is this is what the 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 camaraderie around hocus pocus like yeah we watched it yeah we lived through it and then you get this very very packaged uh, idea if an alien said what would a magic movie look like they said oh bring it all together and this is what they spat out again i am sorely disappointed in this movie i fell asleep and had to go back and start it again probably in the most critical rise of plot too so that's a red flag but i went back where i fell asleep watched the rest and was so so disappointed um i will forever hold up hocus pocus and pretend this one doesn't exist and i will also copyright my idea uh trademark my idea on the fact that the three young girls should have their prequel and run amok and see if they can make it work because there's something there there's something there that might work if they get the tone right my score for hocus pocus 2 ladies and gentlemen is 1.1 out of 10 holy yikes kirk wow 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 (laughs) i 
as I was listening, I was like, he's going to go pretty low here. 1.1 was not on my radar. Uh, yeah. But that, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbled. So that's your score, and I respect that. Uh, Thank you. Wow, I'm shell I'm shell shocked by that. <laughs> <laughs> My final thoughts and score. To uh, listen, I mean, I, I don't think any hocus pocus fan really would value my opinion on this anyway, since I'm not indoctrinated into their uh, coven. Of, Excuse you. <laughs> into their cult of of hocus pocus love, and and that's fine. That's that's just the way that it happened <laughs> with me. I, I I didn't get to go through that same experience. I wish I had. I do. Uh, as such, I'm not as close to the original source material from an overall nostalgia perspective. I thought this movie was a poor legacy sequel, felt like an obvious money grab, felt very corporate, felt very plastic. Um, with the exception of, in my opinion, I thought I thought the Sanderson sister dynamic was intact. And even though some of the bits, like the thing in the Walgreens didn't hit, others did, and the dynamic felt there uh where this movie really loses some steam is with the with with the main characters as i said in my director's shoes there's just nothing nothing there of value and the the big payoff of like becca is a witch and maybe we can turn that into something at the end that just is it when you get there that is not a payoff at all you're like oh okay that's where they were going with this and, and you're kind of annoyed by it actually <laughs> because you don't care about this character um the production value is is low. I mean, you, you hear Disney Plus original movie and you go, oh, is this going to be low quality? And, and it is. And it, and, and, and in a weird way, it's like, it looks, it's like professionally low quality. <laughs> it's, you know, it's like they know what a good movie is supposed to look like. And then they took that and they, they had really shoddy effects and really weird cuts and edits and also like, slap a sepia filter on it, desaturate it a little bit to make it look like a modern horror film, and boom, you got Hocus Pocus 2. Um, it felt like, I'm trying to think of, there There are some recent horror-ish movies that feel similarly. I, I'm kind of thinking like Halloween Kills or something like that. Like, feels just very cheap and very blonde, not artistic at all. This definitely feels in that same ilk. Um that said, like I can see why fans of the original would enjoy parts of this movie and, and would 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 want more. Uh, certainly not Kirk. I mean, he he did not like it at all, and that's <laughs> that is fair. Uh, so I plan on giving it a three point nine. I'm going to stick with it. Three point nine out of ten for Hocus Pocus two. Mm, I wasn't able to sway you any lower. No, I was already pretty low. Like I, I felt like I felt like it would be irresponsible. Like I felt like it, it would feel like I was just hating on the movie at that point. It really like I, I I couldn't have been more blah about this movie. I was just yeah. like, oh, okay, you know, like it was effectively what I expected it to be, which is like a low quality sequel to a beloved cult classic as an attempt to grab some subscribers, right? In which they apparently checked that box. So kudos to yes. them. But this was a very corporate venture which is sad because I think the first movie was made with a decent amount of heart and love and, and fun. Um, and this one, maybe with the exception of Bette Midler, who clearly loves to be a part of this, uh, didn't have that same level of, of human connection to it. 
Yeah, I am uh, announcing my morning state and I will be wearing black for the next 14 days in honor or dishonor of Hocus Pocus 2. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned like what what are the what are the majority of Hocus Pocus fans feeling about this movie? I feel like I have seen some reviewers who are self-appointed Hocus Pocus stands saying that they they liked a lot of what was going on in this movie. They, they said it wasn't perfect, obviously. Cer- certainly not perfect in my opinion. No. Um, but that they liked a lot of it. So I'll be, I'll be interested to kind of like dig in deeper and find out what people were saying about it. Yeah. One of the frustrating parts about not bringing back the, the OG cast for any aspect of it was that, uh, who's Danny? Is it Thora Birch? Yeah. Thora Birch plays Danny and she says she was not approached when this, Oh wow. You know, like that wasn't even an idea in their minds. And I don't, I, I don't, I don't know how, you don't grab that cast like if like so on TikTok, uh, you know, we're, we're in Halloween. Halloween Town is uh, Disney Channel original movie, as people who listen to us probably know, and has massive love on on TikTok, on YouTube and and in-person uh, comic cons and such. And I would I mean, there would be a riot if they didn't bring uh, the original Marnie back to if they did another Halloween Town sequel, which they edged her out of one. So if they brought another one in, it would be chaos. So I don't know how they weren't at least approached and allowed the opportunity to turn it down. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. That actually like I didn't even look into it because I just assumed they were like, oh, they said no. You know, because just like it's so obvious that they would obviously like want to go the route of like reaching out to them and bringing them into the movie. But so, so often like these people have started their own lives and, you know, they're not they're not like big actors. Some of them are, some of them aren't. And so you're like, you know, you understand if they're like, ah, I don't want to revisit that. And so that's what I assumed happened. I can't believe they just didn't reach out to them at all. That is like that's yeah. horrifying to me. Pretty crazy. You know, uh, so the act Thor Birch plays Danny, uh, the actress who plays Allison, they are both like continued on, like all always working in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. Max was, was back a little bit. I don't know his story, but he definitely has only done like six or seven things since Hocus Pocus, which is fine. Uh, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't know why they couldn't pull this back in. Shocking. Shocking. All right. Well, that's our thoughts on Hocus Pocus too. If you're, if you're, one of these people who is even a bigger fan than Kirk of the original, which we know you're out there. I've seen you guys on, on social we media. Um, they are out there. Let us know. I'm, I'm so curious to know what people think and, and to kind of hear people's thoughts about the original, why it's nostalgic for them. What, you know, Kirk, you brought up some really interesting points that I really just had not considered about that movie. So I'm interested to hear more because I'm, I'm always intrigued at how these things hang on and, and, the most that comes from the most unexpected films, it seems like. Uh, so yeah, let us know if this was a huge disappointment, uh, the way that it was for Kirk, or if you were, you know, loving what you saw. So hit us up on social media. You know how to reach us. All the links are available to you in the description, whether you're listening to the podcast or watching on YouTube. We want to thank you guys so much for being here with us for this review of Hocus Pocus Two. Our hope is to review Amsterdam next week. Uh, so. Keep an eye out for that. But until that time, we want to give a special thanks to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, as well as our uh, original music, which is created by the band Rhetoric. Check them out anywhere you listen to music. And we will see you guys next week. Talk to you then. Talk to you then.